me, but I am. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, it, it, someone, someone say trouble. trouble. I want to minister on trouble. On trouble. We all face trouble. Amen. See, the, this is the thing that I don't get from Christians is we think that trouble is only for the sinner. Trouble comes to the sinner and the saved. Come on, somebody. It comes to those who are born again and those who don't know God. Trouble hits us all. And so, but there's something that the Bible says in James chapter 5, verse 13. When you have it, say amen. If you don't have your Bible, it's up here. It says, if anyone among you is suffering or trouble, in other words, let him pray. Someone say pray. 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 Is anyone cheerful? Then let him sing songs. He says, if you're going through something, then pray. But if you are excited, then shout, sing a song, show it, amen. And so, so that's so powerful. And so I want to pray this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for everything you are doing in this house and everything that's taking place, Father. God, I pray that you would just speak to us in a way only you can, Father. I pray you would deal with our hearts, deal with our minds, deal with our spirits, deal with us, oh God, that we would run, Father God, like never before and stay the course to see the finished product that you have for us, to see the vision that you have for us, to see the restoration, to see the mending, to see the healing, to see our families come to you, God. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen. amen. Give the Lord a great clap offering, amen. You know, when you look at the word trouble, I look at trouble comes to us all. And some trouble comes to us mentally. Some people deal with mental uh, um, issues that hit them that they struggle with. Some deal with it physically that hit them. But the trouble that hits us mentally and physically in return hits us spiritually. It affects us spiritually. It affects us for the good or for the bad. It'll make us act a certain way. It'll make us run closer to the cross or make us run further from the cross. And so today I wanted you to know and I need you to understand this. Trouble often, again, drives Christians to God. Trouble often drives Christians away from God. Can I get an amen? amen? How many have ever got in some trouble and it made you to come closer to the cross? How many ever got into some trouble and made you run away from the cross? Oh, I'm in the right church. This is, a, this is a good church. They know where they're running. Hallelujah. And so I want to help you when you do face trouble again, that we will stop running away from God, but learn to run closer to the cross. Come on, somebody, closer and cling more to the cross and to the Savior and to the God that is able. Someone say he's able. He's able. See, see, prayer is a voice that we use in trouble. Can I say it like that? Prayer, in other words, prayer is the ability to cry out to God. Prayer should be your complaining voice. That's what I'm trying to get to. How many of you ever complained? You know, you complained. And so God said, you're going to do that. Well, let me turn it into prayer. 
Let your voice, come on, let your voice be a, a voice that prays in the times of trouble, in the times of adversity, in the times of suffering, in the times of affliction, in the times of, 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 of this, 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 this feeling just, just lost or disturbed that, that your voice becomes a, a prayer voice in the ears of God. See, I've learned years ago, if you don't pray, you won't stay. You won't stay long enough. If you don't pray, you're cardinal. Prayer is pouring yourself out so that you can make it to the next level. Prayer is the ability to lighten your load. Let me, let me give a few things about prayer. Prayer is a doorway to God. So if you're not praying, then there is no relationship with God. A lot of times we don't pray when everything is good. You know that, right? We forget to because it's so good. Life is so good. We don't even, we, don't, we just say, thank you, Jesus. We don't even pray, thank you, Lord. And we think that is a prayer. That's not a prayer. That's just thanking God. It can be a prayer after you prayed or, or maybe it is or whatever. Regardless of it, sometimes we just go, thank you, Jesus. Or saying, Lord, get me out of this right now because you know what? I'm so blessed. Get me out of this. We never say that. It's too much for me, Lord. You're, you're too good to me. We don't say that. But this is what I want you to see is prayer is a doorway to God. It'll get you into his presence, get you into his intimacy. So in other words, prayer opens doors in troubles. So you're facing troubles, you start praying, doors start opening. God says, okay, now let's, let, let's talk about this. Let, let's talk about what you're going through. Pour it out on me. Let me know how you feel and how you feel. See, prayer is a place where you need to get down and dirty. I can't take this no more. I can't take him no more. Oh, those kids are just, ah! And, and so, so that's, that prayer needs to be radical. You need to stop worrying about your makeup and your boogers and, you know, and all, looking, looking pretty and all that good stuff. And, Prayer has to be where God is where we throw up on God. Prayer is where we, we become intimate with God and say, God, I, 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 I love you and I love my husband and I, I love my wife and I, I love my kids, but they're too much. These finances, the job that I'm at, the, that boss, he irritates me. He brings up the worst in me. Oh, nobody here, just one person works. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. My man, my supervisor, my, oh my God, it's just, oh, I want to kill her. I want to kill him. My worker next to me, oh my Lord, God, she just don't shut up. So I want you that we have to learn to come and throw up on God, pray on God, and not on your husband or your spouse and expect them to do something they can't do nothing about. Sometimes we just want them to co-side with us. Oh yes, yeah, yeah they're, they're wrong, yes. And you're like, they're in their mind, they're saying, oh Jesus have mercy. Thank God it's them and not me, hallelujah. But we don't wanna say that, praise the Lord. But anybody know what I'm talking about? So, so, so go out to learn and I, I'm showing that picture because I was gonna get pretty intense right now. 
It's going to get pretty, pretty intense. Because the greatest value in prayer is the time that we spend with him. There has to be time spent with God. Some of the greatest times that we, we enter into his presence should be in the times of trouble. See, listen to this. Prayer, now this, you got to understand what I'm going to say. Prayer often. So don't lose that word often. Often delivers us out of trouble. It doesn't always get us out of trouble. Because there's some trouble that only God can allow you to go through to take some stuff off us. But we don't want to talk about that because we always think that God is going to deliver us out of every situation. Go to Isaiah 43, verse 2. Let me read this for you. Isaiah 43, verse 2. As I'm setting a little platform here. I know I'm not going to finish it today, but I'm going to set something up. When they have it for me, put it up. Isaiah 43, verse 2 says these words, when you pass, when you, not if you, when you. Someone say, when you. When you pass. Or another version says, when you go through. But when you pass. So when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. So he says, there's gonna be some water trouble. Ever had any water trouble in your house? Something happens, a leak or something. Uh, there's going to be some water trouble in your life. It's not too bad. It's just a little leak. He says, he says but, uh, but he, goes, he goes with you and, and, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. He says, now there's going to be some rivers that shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not burn. Now shall the flame scorch you. Go to verse 3. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom. Ethiopia should be in your place. He said, I'm the Holy One of Israel. I got you. I'm your Savior. I love you. He goes, I want to be with you through it all. Someone says, through it all. Sometimes God allows us to face some stuff even after we prayed. But nobody wants to hear that part. Amen. Even Paul says, I've been praying that you take this away from me. I've been praying that you deal with this issue in the side of my, my spine. This, this, this gives me this, this splinter. Oh. He said, but praise the Lord. See, let me give you another one. Prayer gives us strength to bear trouble. Amen. So when we pray, often pulls us out of trouble. But prayer also gives us strength to bear the trouble. The weight of it. He said he won't give you something you cannot what? Handle. And you're like, how does he know what I can handle? He said, I know you. I know you better than you know yourself. I know every hair that's left on your head. Marius is going like this. (laughs) He goes, "I, I know everything about you. I know your past, your present, and your future. He knows you. Come on, somebody. God knows you. And, and, and so, so, so he says, then prayer also, listen to this, is a must. 
in spiritual warfare. This is spiritual warfare. We are in a spiritual fight. It's not a physical fight. If it was physical, even Jesus says, I would have called all the homies and would have took care of this. He said, I would have called all the angels. And they would all came down and we would have destroyed everybody. He said, but it's not about that. He said, I, I can do that. He goes, no, but this is a spiritual thing. We are in a spiritual warfare. And we're going to have to pray. One of our weapons of war is prayer. Trouble comes, we pray. We're going through stuff, we pray. When all things go wrong, we pray. When everything is going fine, we pray. We got to have intimacy and that only comes through prayer. Come on somebody, through prayer, through prayer, through prayer. Amen. I want you to look at me really quick in Job chapter 14. Verse one says, man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. In other words, he's saying, we don't have much or long to live. And in the life that we do live, we face trouble. Can I get an Amen. Has anybody faced trouble since you've been alive? Good, we're in the right church. Pastor, you're, man, you're, make, you're making me feel depressed. No, I'm not making you, trying to make you feel depressed. I just want you to see when trouble comes, stop running away from the cross, but run towards the cross. Even when, come on, even when you've been praying and your prayers are not being answered, it doesn't mean that God is not with you. Even when those things that you're dealing with are so heavy on you, it doesn't mean you cannot bear it because he's given you the strength to bear them. So you're the right man, the right woman for the right job. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a great clap offering. Amen. Some of you, this has been your your spiritual boot camp. You've been going through it, but he's been preparing you for war. Oh, some of you, he's been preparing you to get you ready because you're about to get deployed. Something's about to take place. At least you're going to know how to handle it. Listen to this, and I need you to catch this. Trouble comes to the sinner as well to the born-again believer, and he need to get that. So you know how sometimes the sinner makes it feel like they're perfect, and they're going through everything, like you're instant famous? But they don't show her, you know, todo tirado the next day. We see all this stuff on Facebook, and we think they're the perfect people. No, they don't even know Jesus. At least we have Jesus and we can cry out to him when we're going through something. Who do they cry out to? Come on, somebody. When my wife was giving birth to our first child, I, I was young, we were young. My son's like 22 now, he turns 22 in a couple, in two weeks, uh, November or something, fifth. <laughs> He's 22 already, he should know. I should know or he should know, amen. And my wife was pregnant and, 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 and they were, they were going to go have the baby. And the doctor sits there. And I'll never forget it. This says, okay, we're going to do a cesarean. I don't know what a cesarean is. And, you know, and then they start saying, oh, she can die and your wife can do this. And this can happen to your wife and this and that. And I'm like, what the heck? 
everything. I'm talking about everything. I'm sitting there. The worst scenario. He's telling us the worst scenario. So, you know, the worst, because I have to tell you this. And so he's sitting there, and I'm like, my Lord. And I'm hearing all this, the most negative report that huh, we can ever hear. And I'm like, you know what, let's just get rid of the baby. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm just kidding. I'm like, dang, I'm listening to all this. Just kidding, son. I love you. Just kidding, son. He looks up. I'm like, man, baby. So then I, this was the first word that came out of my mouth. We just, we prayed, first of all. Then I told her, man, I feel, I feel bad for the people who have nothing to grab a hold of. We have Jesus in this time of trouble. Come on, we have Jesus. We, we got Christ. We, we got the cross. We got hope. We got, we, got, we, we, got, we got vision. We got purpose. We got God. And we just started praying. And you know where they threw us at and telling us? Oh, they threw us in the storage room. Oh, that was another baby. My bad. You see? Don't ask the dad about nothing. Always ask the wife. Amen. So we're there and we're just praying. And all this craziness. All this craziness. But we had to run to Jesus in the times of trouble. That was the hardest thing I think I've ever heard. Amen. One of the hardest things. And I didn't think I can bear it. And then we bore it. And then something worse again comes. Then something again. It never stops. Because life will throw things at you. It doesn't mean, always remember these three things, if you can, when trouble comes. Is it because you made a wrong decision? Is it because you sinned? Or is it because God is dealing with you? Always remember that. Is it because you made a wrong decision, you're facing trouble because you should have never did what you did? And that's why trouble came? Or number two, was because maybe you're sinning and that's why all hell's breaking loose? Or number three, maybe God is just dealing with you and trying to cut things off you. And so that's what they were trying to figure out about Job here. Job, huh, let's see Job. Did Job do something dumb? Did Job sin? Or did Job fall short the glory of God? Or is God just dealing with Job? Let's go to Job chapter one, verse one. Everybody with me so far? So, so here he is. Job chapter one, verse one. Says, and, and the book of Job again is talking about, the, about a man who loves, who loves God. And they take his wealth, his family, and his health. And he wrestles with God. And he prevails at the end. But it's the in-between that hurts. It's the in-between that we deal with as individuals. And so we have to understand what I'm saying, that every Christian will experience in his life pain and trouble. Say it be pain and trouble. And it all because the fall of man. So when you get to heaven, blame Adam and Eve. Look for them. Where's Adam? Where's Eve? One time. Where they at? That's why. So blame them when you get there. Amen. Listen to this. Trouble, again, let me, I'm almost, I'm almost, I've got to set this up because I want you to see this. Trouble is under the control of God. Are you guys with me? God uses trouble in fulfilling his purpose 
in men's lives and also to perfect us. See, no one wants to talk about that, but it's the truth. God needs to chip some things away from us. I'm not the same person you've seen here 28 years ago. It was trouble when it came to me. It made me cry out to God and it chipped stuff off me. And if prayer calls me to get closer to him and create more of an intimacy with him that broke things off me, made me more spiritual than carnal. And so when trouble comes and if we don't respond the right way, we would run away and we stay the same and we don't never become more spiritual. You'll get older, but you don't become spiritual. How many of you ever got older and didn't become spiritual? Oh, this is a good church, amen. We're all going to get saved today, hallelujah. We're all going to get spiritual today. Listen to this. When trouble comes our way, it is because God has given divine permission. That's the scary thing. There's nothing that the enemy cannot do unless God permits. I think we forget this. We forget this. So then if stuff has happened, okay, God, you permitted. Okay, you're doing something. Okay, let me pray and let me learn. You guys with me? Let me pray and let me learn. Say it with me. Let me pray and let me learn. Say it. Let me pray and let me learn. I don't want to run and become ignorant and stay the same and have me face the same thing again later on. So I want to learn. I want to pray and I want to learn. So here we go. Here, here it is. Job chapter 1 verse 1. I jumped a big piece, guys, because I was trying to get this done, but I'm, I'm not going to get it done. Listen to this. Job chapter 1 verse 1. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright. A one who feared God and shunned evil. The word shun simply means turn from evil. He, he said, I want nothing to do with that. Here is Job, and, and Job was, what was he? He was blameless, and he was what? Upright. Job was a man that loved God, and his heart was right with God. So in other words, God says, not only is he, is he, is he loves me, but he's got his heart right. He's got his heart in order. He has me, Lord of his life. Now, for God to say that about us, or for God to say that about us, what would he say? Edgy loves me, but a Sabbath kid? No, forget about it. So what would God say about us? What two things he can say? Well, is he blameless and is his heart right on? He says this about Job. and Job, again, the reason why, because Job was a praying man. Job was a man who loved God. Job was a man who seeked the Lord. Listen to this. He was a man that was very, very rich in earthly possessions. You guys with me? But it wasn't that that where he found his joy. It wasn't in that that made him successful. Now, it, it, it's a picture of it because what God is trying to show us, it is not in that, but it was in my relationship that made him rich. And so the enemy said, yeah, but, 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 but God, he loves you because he has all this. 
And that's where we get confused sometimes. Well, if I only had a mom and a dad, I wouldn't be like this. If I only, uh, I only had money, I wouldn't be like this. If, if I would have just had an education, I wouldn't be, stop it. We know how to find trouble. If I would only get married, now you're married and you're still like the fool. If I only get her, you got her, now what? You got him, now what? If I only get a job, you got a job and you're still acting weird. If I only leave the home, you left the home and you still can't get it together. Oh, Jesus, slap your neighbor. I mean, praise the Lord, amen. <laughs> I'm gonna never use that. I just, oh, if I only, if I, if I, if I only had a... Satan wanted a piece of Job and asked permission from God if he can hit him. If he can uh, attack him. Can I read on? Okay, here we go. I am anyways, here we go, here we go. Verse two. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. His, his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yokes of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household. So that his man was a great and all the people of the east. This guy had stuff. This guy had money. Like I said, he was rich. He was wealthy. Let's move down to verse 6. Now there was a day when the Son of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. So... Satan entered the chamber where God was with the angels. Imagine the devil sitting right there standing before God with the angels and standing right there in the background in the presence of God. Listen to what I'm going to say. And the Lord said to Satan, where for you to come from? Where do you come from? Call them out. Where are you from, eh? I'm just kidding. Here we go. So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro from the earth, walking forth on it. He said, I've been checking out all your disciples and your churches and living word and all the different churches around and all these Christianos and all these men of God and all these women of God and all these worship leaders and all these teachers and all these ushers. Hello. All those so-called hardcore for Jesus. All these, you hear me? This is Satan. This is what he's saying. Oh, I checked you out. He goes, oh, I see them. Ah, they ain't nothing but a flop house. They, their house is empty, man. I go to their house, my God. They, it's a muck. It's running crazy. I'm going to and from, in-house, in out-of-house. I'm checking everything. I know everything that's going on on this land. I'm there with them when they're doing bad and I'm there when they're doing badder. You, you, you guys with me? So I, I need you to see the picture when he says to and fro. He goes, I'm there in the car when they're thinking no one's watching and they're there with that con el modelo. Oh, God forbid we talk about that, praise the Lord. We good? Okay, here we go, here we go. Look, in Romans chapter 3, verse 22 says, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. 
So he goes, this is this, he goes, this is what he said. This, this, this righteousness that we have is, is not our own. And so he's telling Satan, where are you coming from? Check this out. And because and, he says, I know they're jacked up. He goes, I, I know they're. That's why I said, Jesus, I need you to know that. The only righteousness it comes from God, not from us. So Satan's taking everything down. He goes, man, these guys are jacked up, man. You guys okay? Okay, here we go. We're going, we're going somewhere with this. I need you to see this. Look at, look at verse 8. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Para Man, God's crazy. God, I love you, but here you go. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth. A blameless and upright man who fears God and shuns evil. Wow. Again, we look at Corinthians, we look at Romans. The righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So here we got Job, Job believes. So righteousness hit him. And he lived according to the righteousness of God. So when righteousness comes upon us, it's not because we're doing right, because God, who God is, and God makes us to stay away from evil. You with me? So then when trouble hits, we, we run to him, not away from him. So it's the righteousness of God that keeps us stable to do right. Righteousness simply means doing right before God and before man. So he, he's saying these words, Jesus says, or God says, Job is doing right before man and before me. He's the proof of righteousness. So he didn't throw him after somebody who was all messed up. He says, look at my son who's doing good. So sometimes we get hit because we're just doing good. Oh, man, that, oh, God. Sometimes we get attacked, trouble hits us just because we start doing good. How many ever started doing good and you started getting hit? All of a sudden, you wanted to change. You wanted to do good in the hood. You were just tired, and you started, and all of a sudden, you started getting hit. It's because you started doing good. Not because you were doing bad, because you started doing good again. You started giving your life to God again, and you started getting hit. You started coming to church. You started getting hit. You started getting involved. You started getting hit. You started saying, I'm not going to do this no more. You started getting hit. So God said, you can handle this. That's my son. That's my daughter. You got this. You got this. So, so, so here we go. Every Christian, every believer who is washed in the precious blood of Jesus is marked by the devil for trouble. Oh, he's marked you. You're marked. You got a big old placasa right here. It says, belong to the Lord. Come on, somebody. I belong to Jesus. The property of Jesus and not the gardener. Hallelujah. The property of Jesus. And you're marked. That's why the enemy hates you. Come on, somebody. You better be happy the devil hates you. That should make you, the devil hates me, praise the Lord. You shouldn't be happy he likes you. Oh, no, we're BFFs. No, man, I dropped that dude a long time ago. Come on, somebody. Amen. You dropped him a long time ago. You are marked by the enemy. Satan will ask 